Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. It's hard to believe it has been eight years since Kevin Terrell Hurd founded the Detroit Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce. In those eight years, he has grown, stumbled, but mostly learned. In 2017, Kevin was honored as one of Crane's Detroit 20 in their 20s for his work with the Chamber. In 2021, the Detroit Red Wings and Detroit Tigers organizations recognized and honored Kevin as a game changer. The Detroit native was inspired to start the city's regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce after returning from Atlanta. Since founding the chamber eight years ago, Heard has worked tirelessly to advocate for inclusive business practices while educating businesses on LGBTQ plus certification and business growth. While Heard is happy to receive recognition for his efforts, he said there's still an incredible amount of work to be done. Kevin will talk about his work with the LGBT Chamber and why entrepreneurs, businesses, allies, and others should support the organization, not just by attending events and supporting members, but by joining the Detroit Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce. The Detroit Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce is currently seeking new board members. Heard explains the qualifications for board memberships and explains what it takes to be a chamber game changer. Kevin, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? All right. Well, Kevin, it's great to talk to you again. (laughs) It's been a minute. It has been. I'm really excited to speak with you. I'm, I'm hoping that you're doing well. Yes, I am. And how are you? That's great. You know, I was reading something. Is it hard for you to believe that it's been like, how is it, eight years since you founded the Detroit Regional Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce? It 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 is unbelievable. Um, it it's been a labor of love for eight years um, and really um, met so many great people and people are really just excited and just engaged with um, entrepreneurship. Uh, You know, statistics show that LGBT folks will be more inclined to be entrepreneurs than any other demographic. And so I'm just happy that uh, we have the energy and we're still growing. So I'm excited about that. How do you feel you've changed from, you know, when you first back in 2012 and you were like, you know, you felt, you felt this was important to do and you got started it. How have you changed? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I've changed. <laughs> I've changed so much. Um, for one, you know, founding the chamber really just fell into my lap. You know, we, we started just looking at opportunities to, you know, create a business district um, within the city. But, you know, you know, a chamber was a prerequisite to that, and uh, it still is. And so what we ended up doing was finding that chamber, and it was a learning curve. And every, every day is still a learning curve because, you know, we're, we're still evolving, still learning new things about, you know, the business aspects of, of, of building that business district, but also the complexities of different industries. 
and uh, knowing that every industry needs something different, and the Chamber of Commerce has to be well-versed in all of them. And so, you know, learning and working with so many different corporate partners from different industries, uh, understanding their supplier diversity needs, but also understanding the business needs, the small business needs here. So what what have changed me is that I, one of the things that I needed to definitely go and do is uh, go back to school and get my MBA. So I took mm-hmm. two years to go do that while also running for the chamber, running the chamber. And then also um, I've had so many different career changes here in the United, uh, at the Detroit Free Press. So, you know, working, starting in customer service and then going into sales and understanding the importance of sales for organization um, in, in two different ways. Um, and then going into the marketing department uh, at the Detroit Free Press and learning the marketing and the importance of marketing for a business. And then now, <laughs> uh, eight, uh, six years, eight years later, um, I'm in HR, human resources, and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm at the USA Today Network. So, you know, understanding human capital and strategic planning and all of that. And so, you know, I'm literally on the job learning how to better affect the chamber um, and their businesses, but also learning all areas of, you know, businesses and, and, and the, the departments of it. And, you know, from the customers to the marketing to the, the, the employees and their needs and, you know, learning how to, you know, be able to provide more services on, from the chamber, but from the, you know, on the job, job training that I'm receiving from the USA Today Network. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like I said, you've been doing this like for a minute, and you've, mm-hmm. you've seen a lot. Last time that we were talking, I remember you telling me that at, and I want to say it was like at a Pistons game, that um, then a Republican candidate, John James, came up to you, and it was like you said that, you know, he indicated like he didn't really know a lot about the community, but he was interested in learning, and you invited him to come on down. You've seen you on the tail end of, of the Obama administration. Um, you went through the last administration. Now you're going into a new administration under Biden. What have you seen as far as relates to building and uplifting the LGBTQ community, particularly businesses, that has changed? You know, are there people who still go like, you know, oh, I don't know anybody, or are, are politically, are people more engaged with the business community? Well, one of the things that we've done uh, at the Chamber is we really made the business community, you know, understand the importance of diversity and inclusion. And so not only have we, you know, connected with our corporate partners as far as the supplier diversity chains are concerned of, who they're buying their products from and how can they give and work with smaller businesses in order to produce their overall product or service. But we've also instituted and, 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 and engaged with them for their employee resource groups um, and, and how they can uh, promote the DNI strategy that a lot of organizations are partaking nowadays. So, for example, I've done several organizational trainings for uh, organizations such as Miller Canfield and Comerica Bank. Um, I was, you know, in PNC, and so we've we've worked with a lot of corporate partners and organizations on, you know, explaining them the the value of LGBT community. Um, and we're really excited that, you know, we have the Biden administration um, come in, especially since the previous administration removed the engagement for LGBT businesses from basically their small business liaison there. Um, they didn't recognize or want to, you know, assist LGBT-owned businesses uh, from the, in, in the previous administration. But now all of those connections have been restored with the new administration coming in. So we are excited about mm-hmm. the, the intentional efforts to include LGBT-owned businesses and professionals inside of the SBA as well as other 
opportunities with the government. And, you know, even to bring it back here on the state level, um, the uh, department of, uh, in, in the state level, the Department of Budget and Finance, they're actively seeking opportunities um, with LGBT businesses as well um, in order to make sure that, you know, where we are in the state, we're buying from several different organizations, diverse, minority, women-owned, veteran-owned, dis- the geographically disadvantaged. And so we're, we're, we're working towards that, and I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunities that we have in the new administration and, and their intention. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, not to call you out, you're not, you're, you're getting older, but you know, in <laughs> 2017, you were one of the 20 in the 20s. And, you know, in 2021, you're a game changer. You're a young guy, you know, I mean, and even though you're getting older, you're still, many people would, uh, would go like, wow, he's so young doing this. What role do you see and your visibility as far as inspiring young LGBTQ, particularly of color, entrepreneurs, you know, what role do you see yourself in? What role do I see myself in as an inspiring Yeah, do you see yourself as a role model? Are you just, are you trying to, you know, show them that, hey, you can too, I'm not, I'm not special. We are special. I think it's the latter. Yeah, I'm not special. We are special. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially the LGBT community and especially um, LGBT members of color, LGBTQ members of color, um, we have untapped potential. It's because we are written off by, you know, the American society. Um, we're seen as non-threats. Um, and we're we're disregarded. You know, one of the most marginalized identities are trans women of color, but they have a unique perspective and so much value to add to corporations. And they tend to be entrepreneurs on their own. They mm-hmm. and and especially in creative spaces, they teach. They learn how to sew because there are no clothes that really truly fit their bodies. They learn how to do creative things with makeup, and they, you know, are, I know a few who are very great in, in accountants and IT, and, and so we have to, you know, open our minds up that in order to learn how to do something, we first must do it and fail and learn the lessons from it. I know I am not perfect. I failed so many times at running the chamber with, trying to get members, trying to recruit members, trying to recruit um, and corporate partners. Uh, I've made some stumbles along the way. I, and, but the great thing about it is that I learned from those mistakes and I continue to persist. And I think that's one of the things that we have to do ourselves. We have to uh, allow ourselves some grace. Um, and I hope that I inspire those. But you know, ultimately, I'm trying to continue to motivate myself in order to do more. Um, at the end of the day, I always try to provide and give more um, to me because what who I'm up against is myself. And mm-hmm. ultimately, I want other people to understand that their biggest competitor is themselves. They can always be better than themselves at this moment. There's something always to learn. Learning is lifelong. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, that is so important, you know, because, and that you're open about saying, hey, you know, you failed, you're learning, you're continuing to do this. You know, before we sort of uh, get back into to talking about the chamber, you know, one of the things about this pandemic, um, you know, I would say even the upside is like it has made a space for entrepreneurs or innovative thinkers, particularly in communities of color, particularly black and brown, and, like, and also, like you said, in the LGBTQ, and especially in, in the trans community. You've got these innovators, people who are doing it, and many of them say, you know, have started doing things because the traditional route of a business owner or entrepreneur has been closed to them. 
why would you say to them, you know, you need to think about being a member of a chamber of commerce, and are you seeing these new innovators who are coming out because, you know, almost out of necessity that they had to become entrepreneurs? Well, you know, ultimately I've I've seen some of our current businesses to the, you know, Good Cakes and Bakes, you know, instituted their e-commerce. Um, uh, East Eats, which is a restaurant as well, you know, they they built their restaurant based off of the COVID restrictions, right? And mm-hmm. so also queer black owned. So, you know, what I would say to them about being members of the chamber is that, you know, those businesses are awesome. You created something that's amazing. You can not only be a mentor to other businesses, but you can also connect with businesses with similar interests, get business from that, and maybe even invest in new businesses and make more money. The great thing about it is that, you know, diversifying your portfolio as a business owner and having multiple streams of income is very, very important. I've had to learn that a very long time ago. But one of the things that I would definitely say about the membership is that your membership is local. Your certification that you are able to acquire while being a local member is national. So the opportunities do not have to stop here in Michigan. They can go all over the United States, even in certain areas across the globe. So think about that, having an East Eats in Dubai or a Good Cakes and Bakes located in Tulum. You know, these Uh opportunities are endless with our NGLCC global initiative, especially since we also have an NGLCC, since we're a local affiliate to NGLCC, we have a Communities of Color initiative that provides additional mentoring opportunities from national corporate partners. So that's why you should tap into our LGBT business membership here at the local chamber because you are treated as a national product. Okay. Well, I want to take our first break here, and then I want to talk about more about the businesses who are involved as we move come to a new reality. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown with Kevin Terrell Hurd. Kevin is the founder and the president of the Detroit Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Okay, you know, I've talked to so many people and they go like, well, I was doing this and that, and then the pandemic hit. (laughs) Now, (laughs) we, we know, I mean, it has hit everyone. And often members of the LGBTQ community I mean, we're struggling to get jobs or we have businesses like we were talking about before where we might not think of a traditional means of getting funding. You know, it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. We don't have a Boys Town yet. We don't have a DuPont Circle. But how have your membership, and we both use, have used this word, pivoted with the pandemic? And is it more robust or has it been challenging? Well, a lot of our members that I've been seeing have been pivoting to definitely being online. And I would definitely want to preview and be transparent that a lot of our members are service providers. So their home offices, uh, their offices were home at home. They were working remote. 
But some who are brick and mortars, like the Lafarias or the Good Cakes and Bakes, they utilize some of the funds that they were able to receive from the PP loans in order to pay their staff and keep their doors open, but also to put some processes in order um, from some savings that they may have received. You know, Good Cakes and Bakes uh, at, that, at this time did a full remodel um, that they were planning to do for years. Um, and because of the pandemic, they decided that this was the time uh, because they couldn't have patrons come in, but they were still able to, to cook in the corner <laughs> of their location. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some really, we've had some organizations and some businesses get hit hard, um, such as our travel agencies that are a part of our members, a part of our, our chamber. Um, but with the navigation and, and conversations and, and, and um, and, and uh, consultancy that we've been able to provide. Many of them were able to gain access to PPP loans. Um, thanks to the CARES Act, a lot of them were able to receive additional funding. And if they were already an SBA um, loan a receiver, they were expedited in those situations as well. So there were some great resources and great community partners that were able to help. They pivoted because this virtual space honestly opened up the eyes to the brick-and-mortar business owner. It opened up the eyes to a lot of corporate America saying that, yes, people can work from home instead of having to report directly into work. Um, a lot of uh, companies also saw in the beginning of the pandemic, oh, a pandemic only a 2% uh, reduction in productivity but as the pandemic went on and more people were getting comfortable working from home, they tended to see productivity increase um, more in the positive than in, in, in the back because of the work-life balance um, that working from home actually provided. Now, uh, as we move forward in the workplace environment here um, in corporate America and, and schools starting to open, they most likely will see even more of an increase in productivity. I know for one, me being working from home since March of last year, I will look up at the clock and realize I've been sitting at my computer for 12 <laughs> to 14 hours. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I did three days of work in one day. Let me calm down one second. <laughs> but then I'll wake up the next day and still put in another 12 hours. So it is, it's an interesting perspective. One of the things that I would definitely want to highlight is one of, we pivoted from an in-person conference that the chamber was putting on. It was going to be mm-hmm. held at the Athenium Hotel, and we did instead a virtual conference. Now, we understand the limitations of connecting via a virtual platform. But we also understand it and, and noticed and realized that the, the limitation of an in-person platform or in-person trainings or, or seminars was limiting because of the amount of people that can receive the information. And that from now on, I believe that conferences and seminars will always have this type of hybrid model. And that is something that companies and nonprofits, as well as businesses, have had to realize. And that's how they've pivoted, understanding the integration of technology inside of their product offering or their services is vitally important. And that's why IT costs have skyrocketed over the past couple of years, um, because that after human capital investment, IT costs uh, will be your number one cost after that. One of the things that I want to highlight is a certified LGBT business called Adara Securities. They actually offer a very affordable cybersecurity and cloud servicing product. Um, and I highly recommend you, those, you all go to uh, DetroitLGBTChamber.com and look at our directory of all of our businesses, specifically that one as well. Um, um, it's a really great organization, and I'm really excited um, that they are um, providing that solution 
um, for small businesses to secure their data, but also to provide some really great um, services in order to integrate technology inside of small businesses. You know, it's interesting how you talked about, you know, how the conference, because, you know, I've talked to other people, even from like small conferences up to, you know, the grandfather of them all, you know, creating change. And they're all mm-hmm. talking about, you know, coming up with a hybrid. And most of them have, have recognized, and some of them have that they're able to have a broader reach by the virtual part, but there's still that need for that face-to-face. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it just so seems like part of our virtual Zoom world is, here to stay, you know, not oh, only, yeah. you know, not only in conferences, but even in doing a business. So, you know, how do you feel? I mean, do you, are you guys meeting in person? Are you, are the chamber still meeting virtually? And are you looking forward to that camaraderie of being in the same space and talking to each other? Do you think you miss well, would... by not having that? Exactly. You do miss it. And one of the things um, that we've done, you know, actually we've done actually one virtual event last year, which is our virtual wine tasting that we uh, partnered with, Wines for Humanity with, uh, which was actually really well received from the virtual participants. Um, But two events have happened already for the chamber. We did Pry Night at the Pistons, which was very Mm -hmm. limited seating, Uh, but we did an in-person panel discussion, um, we were able to go into the um, into and use socially distance uh, socially distance protocols uh, as to the LCA for, uh, for COVID nineteen. Was able to watch the game, um, which was really really impactful. And then we had the amazing uh, Ti- Tigers Pride Night as well, where Jan Stevenson threw out the first pitch. Um, we hosted a networking event on the top of the. Um, at the top of the, the, the rooftop of the Pepsi porch, um, which was really, really excited. And this was the first Friday night game that had no restrictions, no seating restrictions. So we were really, really excited to be, to have that night. Um, and of course, you know, we had three other individuals um, named as game changers um, uh-huh. because of the impactful things that they're doing with the community. So I'm really, really excited and honored to be in the last uh, with their presence and sharing um, that acknowledgement as well. So definitely. So what we're looking to do um, later on this fall is to start our in-person learning, um, um, in-person learning again. Um, we're currently going to do a strategic plan um, later in this uh, in September to actually map out a few great things that are going to be not only added to our benefits as our members, our, our, our membership, but also benefits for our corporate partners as well when it comes to supplier diversity and DNI uh, training. So those are going to be in person, and we are so excited to still have the partnership of Affirmation to be holding some of our trainings. So um, we right before the pandemic, we had our on. Uh, on the menu breakfast series. Um, Our last one was February of last year, um, and we were excited because we had over 50 people um, waking up at at 7 o'clock in the morning (laughs) to come to Mm -hmm. Affirmations um, to talk about equitable development. So um, we are definitely going to have a part two of that series, um, but also having some after-work on trainings uh, with a certified LGBTBE um, with a cohort of a training for startups. So we're really excited um, to bring that um, to our membership as well. You know so what yes, I think is there so, will be a hybrid, but it will also be uh-huh. virtual learning. You know what I think that is so great about the regional chamber, and why I wanted to have you come back and talk about it some more is like many people, if they if you say well. You know, LGBTQ organizations, and they'll talk about affirmations. They might talk about Ruth Ellis. You know, they might go national and talk about, you know, HRC or the task force. So it's either like service or political. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you look way far back, you know, we have always been 
entrepreneurs. Ruth Ellis was a mm-hmm. businesswoman, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. that part gets lost in the telling of our history. Is there anything to capture some of these LGBTQ uh, businesses that you're working with? You know, like, are you, are you doing something to, like, to preserve some of that history so that we don't, you know, 20 years from now, you have to, we don't not only have to remind them that Ruth Ellis had a business, uh, but that there were other people who during this period of time were business owners. You know, we, um, we are very fortunate to have had something by, called Between the Lines who have, who have archived a lot of that information. Um, and so we are still great partnerships with Pride Source Media Group, which is now um, owned and operated by uh, Benjamin um, Jenkins, Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm grateful for that 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 partnership, but also I'm grateful for the documentation of having an LGBT media organization to help us preserve some of that business data. As 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 it as as it comes to going to your point about either it being very political or service driven, we have to understand um, that. Our LGBT business, our LGBT community, um, being LGBT, being LGBTQ currently in the United States is still very much a political statement, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so a, a lot of people still deem that because society has not fully accepted being LGBTQ. Um, there are still a lot of in, 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 uh, inequalities when it comes to the services that are provided to LGBTQ. So we tend to default to either being service providers or political action organizations. But we have to realize, and I think the more and more we realize uh, that business amplifies the voice of the community, then we'll see a lot more organizations understand and realize the value of having a chamber of commerce to not only do the advocacy work when it comes to changing business policies, but also they know they're going to, uh, they also know because it's a minority uh, organization or an LGBT, uh, coming from an LGBTQ lens for business, that it's going to be an equitable policy that is going to be presented. And so, we need the support of our community activists. We need the support of our service providers. We need, our, we need the support of our entrepreneurs in order to amplify the voice of the community and those, those within sub-communities of the LGBT space that necessarily don't feel like their voices are being heard. Um, and what we want to make sure that we understand is that there are policies and I want, I want this to be clear, and I think we just need to rip the Band-Aid off. There are policies when it comes to political sides, either Republican, Democrat, and Independent. There are policies that benefit businesses that may not be popular with the LGBT community, but there are also policies that do not benefit the LGBT community from both sides as well. So we want to make sure that we are putting the best policy in front of a lot of our politicians that we're knowledgeable of these policies and how they affect, but also how can we take advantage of those policies as an LGBT professional or business owner to make sure that we are adequately able to pay a a living wage to our employees, but also make money and service our customers. And a lot of people don't understand how uh, some organizations can support a policy that does not you know, go that doesn't fully align with their political affiliation. But we have to understand that this is for the betterment of our community. Um, and also, and I don't subscribe to either political party, to be honest, but I vote mm-hmm. for awful policy. But one of the things that we should definitely do is educate ourselves on how can we write policy that benefits the majority of LGBT folks. And if you notice what political party is focused on LGBT inclusion, then you'll understand where a lot of people will land. Well, you know, and then, too, by, by having 
strong and supporting and help building strong LGBTQ businesses. Okay, a lot of progress comes from the business community. And Mm -hmm. by strengthening these businesses within the chamber, you're at the table, you know, or you have people who are there. You know, we know when you have the one thing and you have members of Ford Globe, look, things that can happen at Ford if you don't have businesses who are suppliers to it. And if you say, if you're a supplier to Ford or to any GM or whatever, and you say, well, you know, we have this innovation that we want to do, but, you know, this is what's important to us. It changes that business model, and then they push it. Sometimes that's who we need. We need business to push an agenda. And if we're not at the table as LGBTQ businesses, you know, we're not together, we don't have, we're not talking the same language, then, you know, we're missing an opportunity. For most part, yes, definitely. One of the things that we would like to say is and, and amplify our corporate partnership with Ford Motor Company because they really, truly look for opportunities to engage with as many LGBT business owners as they can. Um, rather, it's in a direct space as a product they can physically put on their end product, which is a vehicle, or indirect product where they can either buy office supplies or office furniture or landscaping or even cleaning services, janitorial services. So, you know, you have to, we have to think about that everything that you're sitting in, if you're at home or if you're on the, or in your office or even at Starbucks, everything in there, in that building or in that room was supplied by a business. And one way or another, someone had a conversation with that business owner and ended up buying that piece of furniture. Or even the person who made the piece of furniture had to talk about the wood or buy the, buy the wood from them or buy the nuts and bolts or the fabric that's around that piece of furniture. And so everything can be, is an opportunity for a business-to-business connection. And I think one of the things that we want to make sure is that you can create a business by selling tops to pins. You can create a business by creating picture frames or buttons or light switches. So, you know, everything can be made into a business. You just have to know exactly what business needs that particular item, how to manufacture it, and how to scale it. I mean, that, 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 and that's powerful, you know. I was talking to someone in that class, and like, that's what they said. They, they knew they had the skills, but often they didn't participate in a business endeavor or how to put it together to sell what it was. And they said, you know, like, I need a, a key to learn the language, to know the paths to take, to know marketing, to know what I need to do. And mm-hmm. that's what... The chain, in part, what the chamber does. You know, you, you exactly. have people. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, you, exactly. you really do. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to yeah, take one a of the things that we're, Okay, go ahead. Oh, yeah, one of the things that we're instituting this fall is a leap, a leap at um, career um, business startup um, kind of navigation. Rather, you are a startup, you're a mature business, whatnot. We will have a 12-week course from taking you through 12 big aspects from the ideation part of your business to the business planning and the most important part of it, the financials, navigating you to that and then the legal aspects of forming the business and making sure that you have the human resources um, uh, knowledge in order to make sure you keep it on board the um, employees properly and that you're not making any discriminatory comments or asking the wrong questions during interviews. And then also if you want to scale your business and you need other people to buy it, let's say you're a B2B, what is your sales pitch? What, how do you sell this business to bigger organizations that need your services? And so that would be a 12-week module that we're instituting this fall. Mm. Well, 
So, I mean, really, you're going to take them from square one on the way up. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, and that in and of itself, like, you bring the expertise. And that's what I want to talk about. Let's take a break, and then I want to talk about not only what expertise that you bring, but what other people can, can do with the chamber. So we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. here on Collections by Michelle Bonham. We're talking in part about the Detroit Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, you were just talking, Kevin, about, you know, like this 12-week program that you're going to have, take people through all of these steps to, you know, go from like, you know, so that you're ready. I mean, that's it just bottom. And part of what helps, I mean, look at you. I mean, like you talked about your role, how you you started 12 years ago, but you also went back, you recognize you need to go back to school and get your MBA. And what you have learned from, you know, the different jobs that you've had just within the one industry that you're at, you are talking about people who to join the team as member of board of directors. Are you looking at people who have, like you said, you know, um, you have moments, you soared, you failed, but you got back up. You continued to do it. You <laughs> learned and went ahead and expanded your knowledge, not only through school, but in doing. Is that part of what a member of the, of the LGBT chamber gets access to a board of directors who bring something to the table, who aren't just another name on a letterhead? Exactly. And, you know, that's what we're curating. Uh, and that's what we have curated as well. You know, we have leaders from Henry Ford Health Systems and Flat Star Bank um, who have been uh, pivotal um, community leaders um, and, and a part of our chamber for a while. And we are looking for new and fresh ideas as well to help us advise, govern, and oversee policy and direction. Um, where do we go from here? How can we promote and, 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 and reach the needs of our uh, LGBT members, our corporate partners, our nonprofit organizational members, and, you know, even the corporate partners' employees through our leadership, through the advocacy, through the education that we provide? You know, ultimately, we want to make sure that the responsibilities of our board of directors are to have organizational leadership and advisement to serve on at least one of our committees. Um, we want to make sure that we are formulating oversight and policies and procedures um, and make sure that we are, you know, good, got good books, which I'm happy to say we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we also wanted to make sure that we are, you know, personally evaluating our staff and our, develop- and our development as leaders, that we're connecting to and have connections in the community in order to get things done. We need, we need to make sure that we have our areas of expertise. Right now we have a CPA, we have a lawyer, we have a financial advisor, we have a small business owner. I, I, you know, I worked in marketing and now I'm in HR, so I have both of those experiences that I bring to the table. And so we want to make sure that we have a well-rounded board, a very diverse board too, so I highly recommend people of color people of uh, different uh, nationalities and ages and, and range and, and different countries to definitely apply um, to be on our board of directors because we value diversity. This organization would not be 
uh, what it is today if it wasn't founded on the principles of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Um, but we also want to make sure that people are um, well aware of the terms. You know, these are two-year terms. They start in October of every year. Um, and that, you know, we, we definitely need every board of director member to help us fundraise. Rather, it is recruiting new members to the board of directors, recruiting a new corporate partner, um, engaging your current partner or your current employer into the chamber. And so we want to make sure that um, people understand that um, that is um, something that we are looking forward to do as well because they, they just don't cut a check, but they also get services in return. They get um, the ability to connect with our small businesses. They get them uh, mentorship opportunities and the professional development opportunities as well. So um, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a, a lot of great ideas to help us, you know, reach everything and not only that, but also to identify some blind spots where we're missing because mm -hmm. we know we're not perfect. And I think that's the that's one of the things that I've. You asked me earlier, how have I changed? I, I learned how to take criticism very well now. I was more mm -hmm. one of the most sensitive people that you, I, I mean, you, you pinch me and I would cry. But now <laughs> I have tough skin, right? Mm -hmm. I, I know how to take a read. I know how to read back. But ultimately, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that um, we are really transparent and honest with one another as being the board board of director members, and that we create this sense of family and sense of belonging because everyone has an opinion, but also we want informed opinions as well. And, uh, and, and we want that experience and their experience to come and translate to what they're providing with the chamber as well. So we're really, really excited about being able to open this up. We have a few terms of, of board members that are, that are uh, ending this year, and we just want to make sure um, that we get some new, fresh blood in prior to them, their departure. Okay, now, with this pandemic, I mean, let's face it, I mean, it was made to change a lot of things. And I know I've been on boards, and, you know, and boards don't want to do it. And often you want to have, you want to have the marketing person, the accountant, maybe a lawyer, you know, HR, you know, mm -hmm. the, the usual suspects. But with this new world, the way that, you know, we're looking at things different, in part brought on be, because of the pandemic, too, where we had to pivot, where we had to be more flexible, where we had to think outside of the box. Have you put that lens on your board and said, you know, we're all good, you know, in, in these areas, and yeah, you know, but are we forward-thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, are, are you thinking about somebody who knows about Bitcoin, you know, I mean, I, are you are you thinking like that? Yeah, so we're actually looking for individuals who are very reversed in virtual conferences, um, virtual learning spaces and IT. Um, we're also looking for individuals who are focused on government policies and procedures who understand um, how to talk to government officials uh, and things of that nature, um, how to influence it, how to, how to navigate and understand that legal ease within policy. Um, we are also looking for innovators, uh, folks who are just uh, spearheading and creating innovative things at their company, but also are looking and understand the changes in business, business models moving forward and how we can not only integrate that into the way that we run our chamber, but also integrate that as a service that we can provide to our members to make sure they're up to date on those, those trends as well. And so we're definitely looking for, for cutting-edge new talent, new folks who just want to be uh, a part, not only allies, but also people who are a part of the community as well and that understands the, the challenges that we face firsthand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So everybody, okay, so if there's somebody who's out there who's an innovator but might feel like, like they were the young Kevin, you know, and if you pinch them, you know, like, oh, these people, they know all this stuff and they're going to do that, what would you say to them to encourage them to, like, step up to the plate? 
Oh, wow. Uh, great question. Um, just speak. Say it. And one of the things is I, I, what got me out of that is just saying I'm going to do it um, and did it, and it turned out to be okay if, because one of the things that I had was a great mentor um, I, I actually had to, I had Jane Stevenson and Curtis Liscombe, who were my mentors. And I would just definitely yeah. say that person that they feel like they, they don't know what to do is, um, reach out, reach out to me, reach out to anyone on the board and definitely find that mentor, the person that you, that can help you navigate that. And, you know, we are all in this together. And that's definitely one of the things that, um, I'd like to create on our board of directors is that um, this is a still uh, compared to other chambers of commerce across this nation, we're still fairly new. <laughs> um, mm. I think our oldest LGBT chamber of commerce has been around for 50 years. I think that's Seattle, um, maybe even longer. Um, and so, you know, being, you know, here for eight and still, you know, being great and, 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 and in comparison to some of the larger ones across this nation, um, I think it is, is a testament to the, the strength and the will of all of our board of directors and would not be, and would not be here if it wasn't for them um, and the strength of our members, definitely, and their commitment to being members, um, but they're also their ability to, to not only innovate their own businesses but also continue to inspire so many other people to go into business as well. So I would say to the young me who has that imposter syndrome to coming in is just be yourself because everyone else is taken. Mm. Mm, I love that. I remember that. I love that. You know, but doesn't that say, you know, it also says a lot about being from Detroit. And I know because like you said, you've been here eight years. I mean, this, this chamber has been here eight years. It's not the biggest. But how many times have people wanted to write Detroit off, you know, write Detroit businesses off? And you figure if they want to write Detroit off, they wanted to write the, the businesses in Detroit off, you know, they didn't even want to think about a regional LGBT <laughs> chamber of commerce. But you're still here. And isn't that mm-hmm. a great testimony? to, you know, Detroit versus everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. I, um, I'm, I'm honestly humbled at the fact that I've had the, 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 how can I say this, the temperament, the support, the love, um, the connections to continue this chamber um, for as long as it, you know, as long as it has been, you know, and from the original founding, I'm still one of the only original, I'm the only original founder that's still a part of the chamber. They've all moved to different roles and responsibilities. Some have moved even out of state. Um, and I'm grateful for, for their contributions um, to it. And I did not expect it to be um, still here and, and, and growing even today, um, I was in a SHRM course that I'm going to get my SHRM certification in HR. And even today, the facilitator said, yeah, I worked in Detroit, and I was in um, one of the buildings downtown. And, you know, I didn't want to even go to Detroit. I didn't, I didn't like it. But once I was in one of their buildings, I was like, wow, this is great. I've written it off so many times. And mm. <laughs> um, I, I hear that so often, right? So the goal, one of the goals of the, uh, of the chamber is to increase that LGBTQ tourism here in the city. I mean, we have the third largest African-American LGBT community in the entire United States. Um, and so we want to definitely increase more people from diverse backgrounds and other people of color to come to this city and, and enjoy all of its amenities and, and all of the fun things that you can have uh, throughout the year. And I, I, I want people to, I want every Detroiter to stop talking bad about this city because what we say really, truly matters about our city. And it is, 
and having worked in media for, you know, for the past eight years, for a media organization for the past eight years, we all know that negative news travels 11 times faster than a positive uh-huh. news or a positive review. And, you know, word of mouth travels faster than any other type of advertisement as well. And so we also have to be mindful of what we say and how we say it and that when you go to another city as a Detroiter or another state or even sometimes when you go to another country, especially in Germany, you know, you get respect, period. You say, oh, Detroit, respect. They don't try to run any game on you. They don't try to trick you or do anything like that because they understand that we are hard workers, we are dedicated to our city, and that we take pride in our city everywhere we go. So as a Detroiter, if you see a tourist, if you see someone that's in the city, welcome them with open arms, but also teach them how our culture is, is that you are to acclimate to our culture, you are not to change it. And that's the one thing that I want to give not only um, and I'm probably getting in trouble for saying this, not only our visitors, but our suburbanites as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, but it is true. I mean, like you said, one negative thing, you know, because, I mean, I've been someplace. And, in fact, I remember once sitting in a restaurant in Chicago, and they had the TV on, and they were showing some, they were showing the worst thing about Detroit. And, like, and the bartender said, well, where are you from? I said, Detroit. And he's like, oh, yeah. I said, you know what? slow down, you know, and so then when you start to have a conversation with them about all these other things, and I said, and you know what, if I was sitting in Detroit, I'd be watching something about Chicago, the same kind mm. of, of view, so, so let's have this conversation about what's real, and, you know, you see people, it's, a, it's so important to talk about, you know, the strength, the history, like I said, eight years, like, you're still here doing it, and we might not have Boys Town, but Maybe it's better that we're, you know, we're, we've got businesses downtown and midtown on Livernois, you know, that we are mm-hmm. part of the fabric of this community all over. Not just, we don't, we aren't just one patch there. We're the part of the fabric where, can, where, where people are going and shopping, buying, being employed all across the mm-hmm. metro regional area. Definitely. Well, you there, know, there's an estimate. Is there's about an estimate about 2,000 LGBT, we estimate it's about 2,000 LGBT-owned businesses um, in Michigan, maybe even more, right? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. there's an estimate about 1.4 million businesses across the nation, um, you know, that we contribute $1.7 trillion to the national GDP. Currently, back in 2015, during the NGLCC economic study, uh, we the LGBT businesses that were certified hired 33,000 employees with an average revenue of 2.4 million dollars, and so we're not only um, we're not only just business owners, we're profitable business owners, and we have longevity because also the average LGBT business owner is in business for 12 years compared to three to five year. Um, decline of a normal business of any other minority sector. So yeah. we have to make sure and, under, and have people understand that we are resilient businesses, we are strong, but we also want to make sure that we have those connections and that, you know, representation means a lot. So one, start your business and get connected with other LGBT businesses here in the city. Two, get your LGBT business certification. And that will add to the numbers that we are able to report to the federal government in order to influence politicians to change policies that include LGBT folks as a separate class. Three, make sure people are calling your congressperson to get the Equality Act passed once and for mm-hmm. all and to admit, and to admit Elliot Larson, our Michigan Civil Rights Act, to include sexual orientation and gender identity and expression. And lastly, join the LGBT Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce, please. One of the things that we are most important, one of the things that is really, really great is because when you join the LGBT Chamber of Commerce locally, you get local 
benefits, but you also, through your certification, get national mentorship and opportunities. So there are over 255 uh, national NGLCC partners that you have access to that you're able to bid for contracts for. And one of the best things that we did this past conference is that we held actual matchmakers for the first time, and we had over 47 appointments. Um, and if you know anything about matchmakers, it is a really tedious process to make sure that uh-huh. the supplier sends all of their needs and we on the chamber side match them with the business owners that we have within our Rolodex. <laughs> and so, and making sure that those businesses match those needs for that corporate partner. And then it is time for the businesses to go in to that 15, 20-minute meeting and really pitch what they can offer that business um, or, or offer that corporate partner. And the corporate partner is able to say yay, nay, or I need more information. And I would be happy to report that the majority said yay, or I need more information. And so mm-hmm. we're really, really excited to be able to afford and offer those opportunities to our businesses. And those corporate partners and those matchmakers is something that we do all year round, if you are looking for a connection to a business, we are actively seeking um, and sending those connections over to our corporate partners as well. So, you know, it's just not a one-stop shop for us. We are Mm -hmm. doing that every single year, all day long. Now, are there membership levels to join the chamber? Yes, there are. So for small businesses with employees that are, you know, 25 employees or less, um, we have two business membership levels. So you can join as a small business member at 350 or a small business plus at 450. And the 450 is literally there is uh, an advertising place inside of our newsletter that you're able to put any special offers or any um, in, or company profile or anything that um, you would like to introduce yourself as a new member to the organization. But, and there are additional incentives as far as additional discounts that a Business Plus member will get versus um, a regular basic member as, as well. So all of those benefits are listed on our website um, at DetroitLGBTChamber.com slash join. Okay. All right. And if someone wants to you know, drink the whole pitcher of Kool-Aid. We want them to drink the glass and become members, but if they want to drink the whole uh, pitcher of Kool-Aid and apply to be a member of the board, what's the best way to do that? So we have posted on um, on Facebook as well as on LinkedIn uh, the link in order to review our board of director description and everything. What we are requiring our uh, applicants to do is to write a letter of intent or interest um, explaining or similar to a cover letter um, about what you can offer the board of directors as well as our members, um, include some connections or references inside of that letter of interest. And then also you will, with that letter, uh, also attach your resume or CV. Um, and you will email that to info at DetroitLGBTChamber.com and apply by July 30th. And we will be doing deliberations over the two months of August and September because terms start in October. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin, I am always glad to talk to you. Uh, you know, I, I think that just you being so open to talk about how, you know, it was a growing process, you know, that, you know, you were sensitive and if somebody, you, you, were, you were ready to cry or somebody pinched you, that you fell and you got back up. That in, in, in and of itself is like so inspirational to not only me, but I know to many people, but also what you've done and what the chamber continues to do to amplify the voices of our businesses, to stand for our rights, to give us opportunities to come together, uh, to give our organizations like, you know, the Pistons, the Red Wings, the Tigers, to acknowledge and have a pride night and, and celebrate. We can all be there. 
that is it, that is really one of the good great things about Detroit that particularly members of the LGBTQ community could, could go and say, you know, like Atlanta might be hot Atlanta, DC might be hot, but Detroit, you know, we are doing it right here and now. Indeed. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm going to let you get back to work. <laughs> Don't stay there too long. So, you know, I'm going to tell you, I work from home. Sometimes I have two monitors, and I'll be looking at one thing on one and one thing on the other. And like you said, before you know it, 12 hours have passed, and it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> Shut that off. Go watch something on TV. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just have to acknowledge it's, it's funny because I've, I've taken a personal leave of absence from social media. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, chamber stuff doesn't stop. So I'm actually what I'm doing is I'm – pre-scheduling posts for the chamber right now for the following week via a, a, a social media system. So me personally, Kevin Hurd, is not on social media. Um, these are pre-scheduled posts that I'm doing for the chamber in order to increase and maintain engagement. Um, that's just a trick for any curator, uh, content creators out there is to, you know, get some content and, and schedule it so you can always work in advance. That's really, really important. Um, but, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm literally doing one on Alexander Hamilton because he passed he, – the anniversary of his death is on Monday, but he is the founder of the Treasury. <laughs> so I yeah, yeah. have to, you know, thank him for our uh, interesting financial system. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's never uh, a shortage of topics, is there? Yeah. No. Well, uh, Kevin, thank you again. I am, like I said, always glad to talk to you. Look forward to seeing you sometime soon at a chamber event. And um, you have a great evening. I want to thank my guest, founder and president of the Detroit Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce, Kevin Terrell Hurd. A few terms on the Chamber's board are coming to an end later this year. Individuals with a passion for building LGBTQ businesses and providing resources are invited to apply for the board membership no later than July 30th. You can do so by email, info at DetroitLGBTChamber.com. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of a show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.